0: Today we are talking about God being a God of love, and I just thought, you know what, that gets old. Yeah, yeah, God's love, we know that, Paul, thanks for sharing. So I went out and I bought a new shirt and some new glasses just to capture your attention a little bit, and I really hope this is not the only thing you remember out of today. If it is, then I fail, but these actually are really cheap and uh, they don't work, so I'm gonna use these instead. But what's just a gimmick, right? Just, uh, anyway, we need to laugh sometimes. Here, I'll put them there. They can be a centerpiece for the morning. God is a God of love, and I wanna talk about that this morning. I'm not gonna tell you that you need to love people. I want to dwell on the fact that God is a God of love. And in this time, in this era, at this day, what does that mean for us? Now, we just sang a song about angels. How many of you have put your tree up? Okay, it's after December 1st, so that is okay. All right, so that's kind of my... My hang-up is, don't put your trip till December. I don't really care if you do or not. But how many of you put a star on your Christmas tree compared to an angel? Star? How many of you put an angel on your Christmas tree? Okay, lots of angels. And you know the angel is, the, you know, the lovely chair, like lovely person, glowing face, beautiful wings, white gown. And you know the Bible doesn't actually describe angels that way. Sometimes people mistake angels for humans. Yes, that's true. But when you go to passages like um, Isaiah chapter six or Ezekiel chapter one or Ezekiel chapter 10, angels are described in detail in this vision that's had of them and it fills them with fear. And I thought, how appropriate would it be if we started creating angels that look like the Bible describes them and put that on our tree? So here's an example. It's six wings with two wheels that intersect and the wheels are covered in eyeballs. Explain that one to your children at nighttime when you turn off the lights and just have the tree on. But that has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about today. I just thought, uh, I came across this and I thought that that we'd have a little bit of fun with that because I knew we'd be singing about angels today. So if you're interested in trying something new, a new family tradition, here is something that you could start and you could be creative. Some Some of the depictions have them with different faces and you could really have a lot of fun with that. So now let's take that off yeah god is a god of love so what does that mean for us and and i wonder if when we talk about god being god of love there isn't a tiny bit of you that says yes god's a god of love but and that word gets put in at the end of that sentence because it leads to something else Let me give you a a personal illustration of, of where i'm going with this november 27 1999 a week ago 21 years ago um claire and i were at a small church in london ontario it was six years old it had never got off the ground we were asked if we would go and try to revive it and being 26 years old uh I figured that'll be easy, Um, piece of cake. So all I need to do is show up and everything will be fine. So we went to this six-year-old church and uh, had a very difficult uh, 18 months. Go figure. Um, I couldn't quite get it going. One night we had a Christmas party. Uh, It was a Saturday night, just like a week ago in a day. And the church had a Christmas party and we came home from the Christmas party. We were exhausted. We went to bed, and at 1.30 in the morning, we got the phone call, the phone call that you don't want to get at 1.30 in the morning. And on the other end of the phone was Claire's sister. And she said, Paul, it's Catherine. There's been an accident. Marilyn and Mark, Kevin and Graham are all dead. And that's how it felt. What? And then that started a journey of great pain and turmoil Uh, and questioning, uh, grieving. And so we went through the whole process of losing a family um, just before Christmas time to a drunk driver. And then I continued to struggle with pastoring this church. And I was filled with questions like, am I even cut out for this? Because this is not fun anymore. Life is not fun. Uh, Trying to figure out my own grief, trying to help a church that was um, just struggling, trying to help Claire grieve. Uh, And there were a lot of days, uh, I think the sentiment for me, God is a God of love, but, was ringing true every day. God, I know you're God of love, but it sure doesn't feel like it right now. And I wonder if you can relate to that. See, the verses that we read this morning from Lamentations chapter three, are beautiful verses the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness god and and if you've been uh following jesus if you read your bible you may have come across these verses and you think wow those are so pretty so poetic so true and what i want to do today is play around with the tension That exists with these verses God is a God of love but it doesn't always feel that way because what you may not know if you just stop and, and think about it though you'll catch on to it these verses are in a book called lamentations it's a book of laments and if you understand a lament, a lament is actually expressing all the bad things that are happening and the grief that you're filled with and the, and the pain and the hurt and all the emotions that are attached to that. And so in the middle of these five chapters of this book in the Old Testament... There are these few verses that uh, often what we do with the, we find a verse that we like, and we grab it, and we rip it out of its context, and we run around with it, and we hold it up, and we wave it in the air, and we say, now you should feel better. And then we wonder why it doesn't always feel that way. And so I want to explore the beauty of a book of laments during Advent, a time that actually recognizes darkness literally in the land and anticipating something better because as you read through this book you will find not not all verses about god being a god of love but actually the tension of maybe god being a god who is indifferent Listen to these verses at the end of chapter 5, verse 20. Why do you continue to forget us, God? Okay, this is how the book ends. This is the happy ending to the letter, to the book. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you still angry with us? The end. This book is a book of tension it is the writings of a person or some individuals who have gone through an extremely difficult time in their lives watching their city fall apart watching their country get taken over by invading armies and then all of the wealthy people and the hoity toys being carried off to another land and the poor left to kind of fend for themselves under a new regime and they can't get their heads wrapped around it and so the writer is going through lamenting saying god this is what life feels like right now and it feels kind of like you are indifferent that you don't really care and actually i think this is a pretty common view of god that many people still have today Uh, scholars will talk about deism uh, the god that is uh, um, that is removed He's transcendent. It means like God's kind of made this world. He's wound it up, set it off, and then he sits back to watch what's going to happen. And so even if there is a belief in God, for a lot of people, there's the sense that, that, yeah, God might have made this, but he's just kind of sitting back and seeing how it's all going to play out. Kind of like a kid with an ant farm or an aquarium that just kind of sits there watching wow but doing nothing and not intervening and it's a it's a very common perception of god that people have and i think we grow up hearing some of this in school education media generationally from from parent to child and parent to child and parent to child either through spoken or unspoken means a sense that there might be a god but we just aren't always sure if he's actually involved in this world and there's a cognitive dissonance of for christian people who are proclaiming god cares god loves your life is falling apart but just remember god cares and god loves and we walk around with the tension that Maybe he's there, but I don't really think he he gives a rip. If he did, I wouldn't be feeling this way. And so as you read through Lamentations, you will hear this voice coming up again and again through the five chapters. You'll also hear another voice. It's the voice of a vengeful God. Let me read from chapter 2 for you just to encourage you on this Sunday before Christmas, a couple Sundays before Christmas. Tell me what you think of this. The word of the Lord. The Lord in his anger has cast a dark shadow over beautiful Jerusalem. The fairest of Israel's cities lie in dust, thrown down from the heights of heaven. In his day of great anger, the Lord has shown no mercy even to his temple without mercy the lord has destroyed every home in israel in his anger he has broken down the fortress walls of beautiful jerusalem he has brought them to the ground dishonoring the kingdom and its rulers all the strength of israel vanishes beneath his fierce anger the lord has withdrawn his protection as the enemy attacks he consumes the whole land of israel like a raging fire doesn't that just make you feel warm and fuzzy inside And there's the view that's coming out here that sometimes god might not be indifferent he actually might just be vengeful he's a deity that's sitting there waiting for you to screw up and when you do look out you're gonna get it and i would say that this is a view that is very common for a lot of christian people And it's a view that a lot of people who maybe aren't a part of the church have heard from the church. And when I have conversations with people, they say, I don't believe in God. And I ask them, tell me the kind of God that you don't believe in. And they'll describe this kind of God. And I'm thankful that I can say to them, oh good, I don't believe in that God either. And That's not denying the concept of judgment and consequences for the things that we do. But I would ask a question. What about the God we meet in Jesus? Because we regularly say that Jesus is the most complete revelation of God that we can have. And, and I don't see th- this in chapter two when i read and i look at and i walk with jesus robert cappen is uh, he's a pastor he's a scholar he's an author and uh, he's he's one of the authors that i really enjoy reading and he's written a book about kingdom grace and judgment paradox outrage and vindication in the parables of jesus And this is what he writes. I want to read a a little excerpt from one of his books for you. As a preacher, I can with the greatest of ease tell people that God is going to get them. And I can be sure they will believe every word I say. But what I cannot do without inviting disbelief and serious doubts about my sanity is proclaimed that he has in fact taken away all the sins of the world and that he has accordingly solved all the problems he once had with sin john three sixteen is a verse that we like in the church for god so loved the world he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life John 17 is also a great verse, for God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. John chapter 12, Jesus says in verse 47, I didn't come to judge people, I came to save the world. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church writing about what Jesus has done for all of the universe, including humanity, says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ. And yet in this passage in Lamentations in chapter 2, you've got the writer saying, God, it sure feels like you're angry. And it's a very common view of god that people have had for thousands of years in fact the people in jesus day this was a very common view of god god's on our side and he's going to get everybody who's not with us and isn't that wonderful he's going to smite them and they are so much in trouble not us we're the good guys but everybody else they're the bad guys and god's going to punish them isn't that good news and jesus comes along and he starts doing things contrary to that view. And he starts teaching things that are turning that view upside down. And he quotes from uh, Isaiah 61 and says, the, the spirit of God is on me to bring good news to the poor and release for the captives in prison and the, and the lame will walk and the blind will see. And then he leaves off the end of that that talks about the wrath of God upon all people. And he tells stories And he does things that act completely contrary to this. And in this book of Lamentations, the speaker is is vocalizing how it feels in the midst of pain and problems. And I think that's helpful. It feels like You are furious with us, God, and that you are punishing us. And then there's this hint, an echo in chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And he actually says in verse 21, this is where I place my hope. It feels like this. This is a very common, natural way to feel when life is difficult. It feels like God is indifferent. It feels like God is a vengeful God and is just waiting to slap us around. But in this I hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God, great is your faithfulness. Let me walk you through this book real quickly chapter one as you read through lamentations it it seems like the author is saying life sucks everything's falling apart we've lost everything and it's our fault chapter two god is so angry with us that he's just pouring it all out on us and we are getting what we deserve chapter three god are you there do you care it sure feels like you don't but in this i hope You're a God of love. But why do you continue to pound us? Chapter four God has kicked the crap out of us. Now he feels better. (laughs) Chapter five When's it going to end, God? Are you still angry with us? The end. What a beautiful book. And and I'm not even being facetious about that. Why is it beautiful? Because in this book, we are given permission to feel and to wrestle with the reality of life when it's not fun and yet be able to hold in hope the truth that God is a God of love. And we can express how we're feeling. And what you don't read in this book is any rebuke from God. He simply receives it. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The steadfast love of God never ends. God's love never ends God's love endures forever in his faithfulness his mercy his grace his forgiveness there is no end God's love never ends the love of God never ends everything around me feels contrary to that right now is maybe how you feel And how wonderful that we're given a guide to express how we're feeling and in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the battle with life and let's be honest not all of you are here battling with life life is still good for many of you but many of you are here and all of this rings true and there's everybody in between and in the midst of it all for every single one of us we hold on to this reality The steadfast love of the Lord never ends. Here's what I know about a God who is love, is that love is messy. Any love that is willing to experience the birth canal is okay with messiness. That's a reference to the nativity if you missed it. god is okay with the messiness of life your life is a mess you're in good company welcome to new life one of the things that we will say here is that everybody has junk so we would just encourage you stop pretending like everything's all right that doesn't mean every time someone asks you if you're okay that you just spill your guts You have close friends that you can do that with, I hope. And if you don't, let me know. But it's okay for life to be messy. It's not even your fault. Sometimes you've made some stupid choices and it's your fault. But generally, it's not your fault. Life is messy and love wades into the mess. God loves us enough that he actually enters into our mess, into our messiness, and he journeys with us. Because here's the thing, God loves you so much that he will meet you in your mess, but he's not gonna leave you there. Hey, it's great to meet you. So glad I could finally see you face to face. Well, enjoy the mess. And then away, no, he, he invites us. Hey, let's walk together. However long it takes, let's journey together. And it's always an invitation for you to walk with him and he'll wait and be patient. And you see this in the story of Jesus, you see this happening again and again, love embraces the messiness. It's kind of like a bride and a groom. For those of you that that are married, you might think back to, um, to finishing the wedding party. And it's just the two of you still in your tux and your white dress and you're in the car and you're heading down the road and you see an accident. There's a car flipped over in the ditch and without thinking, you just get out and you help. And in the midst of it all, in the beautiful white dress and the flashy tux, you're covered in mud and blood, but you just join and you act. Love acts. You see, love is not indifferent. If God is a God of love, we must understand that love is not indifferent. The fact that God showed up at all shows that God is not indifferent. Now, we could have wonderful conversations about, about asking the question, did God actually show up? You know, how do we know that Jesus is God? And we've explored those questions in other series. You can go back through our sermon series and and look at those. But the fact that God showed up at all shows us that God is not indifferent. Love rolls up its sleeves and it gets involved and it enters the mess and it displays patience. And it invites us. To walk with him out of the mess from what we think is good to something that's even better the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning in the midst of all the chaos of life love is not vengeful it doesn't seek revenge it seeks to restore the fact that God showed up at all shows that he's not indifferent the manner in which he chose to come tells us a lot about who he is That he's a God of love rather than a God seeking revenge honestly think about it if you were a deity and you were furious with the way people were behaving would your first choice of showing up on the scene be to come as a little baby Cone-shaped head, chubby cheeks, Michelin man-shaped arms and legs. I'm going to smite you. It doesn't work. The fact that he showed up at all shows he's not indifferent. The manner in which he chose to arrive tells us a lot about what kind of God he is. That he'll embrace vulnerability and dependency, that he will experience our full humanity The way he chose to live tells us a lot about what kind of God he is and how did he choose to live. I'd just like to encourage you to reread the Gospels, what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news stories of Jesus, and see the way he lived. Listen to what he said. Scratch your head over some of the things that he did and some of the things that he said. Because the way he chose to arrive tells us a lot about who he is the way he chose to live tells us a lot about who he is the way he chose to die tells us a lot about how much he actually loves us see all the fear of vengeance and judgment all of that culminates in jesus who takes all of the judgment for sin upon himself And as Paul says, if you're in Christ, there's no need to worry about condemnation. And the wild and wonderful thing about Jesus is in all of his teaching, even when he tells stories about judgment, they begin with inclusion. Everybody's at the banquet. And then those who choose to not really wanna participate are invited to leave. It ends in exclusion, but only because that was chosen by the individual all of the stories that you read about jesus talking about judgment are connected really close or right during the passion week to his death and resurrection so when you want to understand when jesus does talk about judgment you need to understand it in the context of his death and resurrection and pay attention to that love is messy it is not indifferent and it is not vengeful it seeks to restore It rolls up its sleeves, it gets involved, and it acts. This is the God that the writer of Lamentations is hinting at and holding on to in chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, I hold on to this because right now it doesn't feel like that's true. So I want to encourage you. If you are enjoying life right now, then celebrate the steadfast love of the Lord. If you're in a place right now and you're like, Paul, I'm just holding it together, (laughs) if you only knew. Then I want to invite you to lament, to express yourself. See, love, the love of God doesn't expect you to have a stiff upper lip. And God's inviting you just to to wrestle with the tension of life, of what's going on around you and within you, and holding on to the reality of the God we meet in Jesus. The God who is, who always will be, love. So if you need to lament this year, I would just invite you read this book it's five chapters it'll take you 20 minutes listen to the emotions that are being expressed and then right in the middle is the steadfast love of God kind of the the key holding this all together but holding it in tension The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies new each morning. For me, for you. So this week, as you read through the Advent devotional, if you have it, great. If not, if you go to beinchrist.ca slash advent, you'll find it. You can download a PDF version of it. Enjoy the daily readings as they focus on the love of God this week. And don't be afraid of the tension if you're wondering God is love, but just live in that and find that he'll meet you in the middle of that. Tonight, we're going to actually uh, invite you to come back at six o'clock and pray together. And it might be, that some of tonight's prayer time is just us having an opportunity to lament. And so we've advertised this, we haven't promoted it out there, but I wanna encourage you, come tonight at six o'clock for a guided time of prayer and we're gonna pray together. We're not gonna sing, we're not gonna have a whole bunch, we're gonna turn the chairs to face each other and we're gonna pray. And we're gonna celebrate and maybe lament. And we're going to to talk to God and we're going to listen. Maybe you've never, ever prayed before in front of people and you're thinking, like, I'm not coming. I would just encourage you, come and sit and watch and listen. No one's going to ask you to do anything. Maybe you'd love to come tonight and just say, hey, I want you to pray for me. I can't tell you what, but I just want to be prayed for. That's what we'll do. Maybe you've got plans tonight. Cancel them. (laughs) It's a season of Advent. It's anticipating God. The reason we participate in these things is because they are part of our spiritual development. So I want to encourage you, six o'clock tonight, come here. If it's going to feel awkward and, and odd for you, come anyway. If you've been longing and dying for this and thinking, why haven't we done this sooner? Come. If you could care less about it, Come anyway, because I think, I think whoever's here tonight, God's gonna to be present among us and I'm looking forward to it. So I, I encourage you to come and, and if we need to lament, we will. I have a sense that some of you probably need to, to express yourself and I'll give you the opportunity to do that. We're not gonna run around the church screaming, uh, but I wanna give you an opportunity. You can tell I'm, I'm giving you a hint with my hand, but I encourage you to, to come and to pray. And I don't know how long it'll be, but it won't be too long. Uh, and, I, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate being here. Amen. Thanks for today. Next week, we're going to look at the idea of joy. We're going to have another uh, family up here reading. Uh, We're getting closer to Christmas. Christmas Sunday, we've got a kids party. um, And we realize that for parents, that's all really tricky right now. And so we're just, week by week, we're flexible with all of that. Um, And we want to be as gracious as we can for young families and kids and any start of sniffles and someone has to stay home and child care has to happen during the week. and, And we get all the complicated elements of that the 19th, there's a kids party for those that are here. Christmas Eve is two services at five and seven. Did I get that right, Steve? Five o'clock, seven o'clock, five o'clock probably for kids, young kids, seven o'clock for those that are older. And also just because of distancing, uh, we wanna make sure that we've got lots of room for people to participate and you need to pre-register. More of you are pre-registering on Sundays, thank you because that helps so much to maintain um, the distancing that, that we can put into place. And uh, it's been great to be here with you today. Visit with each other, enjoy the snow, the stuff that's on the ground, the stuff that's coming, chat, talk, be, and we'll see you uh, next week, during the week. Actually, we'll see you tonight, right? Right, six o'clock tonight here. Okay, God bless.